wanted to begin today with um, a few words of encouragement from little people that I found on Facebook this morning. It sort of made my day. This is from live from snack time. So Henry, age two, was heard to say, don't wipe my tears away. I want to feel them on my face. And Gideon, age seven, sometimes when my feelings are big, I sing them. And Kira, age seven, I'll just take a nap. That's how you solve that. And Jameson, age two, my favorite one of the bunch. I'm too sad for pants. An anonymous child who is six years old said, sometimes I fall down on purpose so that I can take a break. And another anonymous six-year-old said, I have so much to say, maybe you should get some popcorn. There is so much to say about these scriptures. And they do remind me of a time when I was, when I was little, when I was a kid in Catholic school. And uh, at recess, we would play Foursquare. And that's a four-player game where the player bounces a tennis ball to one another. And if you miss it or drop it or bounce your ball on a line, you're out. And there would be this long line of kids waiting to take your place in the game. So there was a little ritual that we would invoke to keep that line from forming. And there was even a little incantation that we would recite. It went like this. Tick tock, the game is locked and nobody else can play. And if they do, I'll take my shoe and beat them till they're black and blue. Hooray. I know, Catholic school, right? Always with the ritual. But throughout my life, I have to admit, I've been on both sides of that little rhyme. And I'm sure if we all took a moment to think about it, we could pinpoint some time when we were locked safely in and another time when we were locked completely out. Can I play? No, we locked the game. You can't afford it. You're not the right fit. We have rules against admitting people like you. All the seats up front are reserved. Our cupboards are empty. Today's scriptures are about unlocking the game. And they warn us, people will get angry. The more powerful, the angrier. It's hard to give up the right to lock the game. But first today, we have this beautiful passage from Isaiah, which promises membership in the community to those who had been excluded from it elsewhere in the scriptures. People like foreign proselytes and eunuchs. But their desire and love for the Lord swings open the doors to God's house of prayer, provides them a place on God's holy mountain. Isaiah says, thus says the Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. Now throughout that great library that is the scriptures, there will be much wrestling with the concept of who is locked in and who is locked out 
of God's people, who is chosen and who is not. And parts of the book of Isaiah weigh in strongly on unlocking the game. That's why Isaiah is often quoted in the Christian scriptures, for he's an important prophet to the Jesus movement. So then we have this really interesting passage from the Gospel of Matthew. And the backstory of this is a conflict with the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees are the ultimate game lockers at this time. Their name comes from a Hebrew word that means to separate. And they are particularly caught up with ritual purity at the time of Jesus. Just ahead of today's gospel, they called Jesus and his followers out for not washing their hands, which is a tradition of the elders, and that should lock them out of temple worship. Now, of course, to our ears today, now steeped in the hygienics required in the period of COVID-19, this might not sound like such a bad thing. Heck, throw in a mask and gloves while you're at it. But the gospel does not take place in 2020, and Jesus is not having it. Because he sees it for what it is, a hypocritical power play, which he points out to them in no uncertain terms, oh, they may wash their hands, but then they break the commandments right and left. And that's the lead up to today's gospel, where Jesus decides to do some public teaching on whether the Pharisees get to lock the game. It's not the food someone puts into their mouth with dirty hands that makes them unfit to worship God, Jesus says. Rather, it's the word that springs from the evil intentions that they nurture within them murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. Oh, they can lock their own door, but not because they have dirty hands. See, Jesus had a clear sense of how God works in Israel and his own role in making sure that no one locks that game. And he wanted the least ones of his people to know that it is not the condition of their skin, but the content of their character that will determine if the doors to the kingdom swing open. On this point, Jesus is bathed in blessed assurance, which he takes with him right into the region of Tyre and Sidon, his next stop. And there he encounters a Canaanite woman who asks him to heal her daughter. Now Canaanites are not part of Israel, quite the opposite. Still, this woman names Jesus as the son of David, sees his power as a Messiah of Israel, and asks to be given a share of God's healing power. Jesus ignores her. Tick tock. But the woman will not be silent. She shouts all the louder, so much so that his disciples begin to get angry and they ask to send her away. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Jesus explains in his own defense. The game is locked. And even when she kneels in front of him and asks for help, he responds, it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs and nobody else can play. But the woman is not having it. 
Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And I find that one of the most painful statements in all the Christian scriptures. Because of what this kneeling, desperate woman has to do and say to gain access to the kingdom of God. And I find it one of the most believable, given what women have always been forced to do in order for them or their children to enter the game. For if they do, I'll take my shoe and beat them till they're black and blue. Hooray. Something happens to Jesus at that moment. Something changes. I wonder if he can hear Isaiah saying, Thus says the Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. I wonder if Jesus' own argument with the Pharisees comes back to him, perhaps his words take on a little twist. It's not what goes into the mouth that makes a person righteous, but what comes out of it. Because when the woman opens her mouth, the cry of the poor comes out. The love of a mother comes out. Faith in the healing power of God comes out. And Jesus had been just about to deny her the crumbs under the table. But instead, he says, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. He unlocks the game. He steps out of the way of God's healing power. But I find this such a troubling story, and I wonder why do we remember this painful moment in the mystery, ministry of Jesus? Why did Matthew's community made largely of Jewish Christians retell it? Why do we put it right here on Sunday morning and not tuck it away in the weekday lectionary where fewer people will notice it? Because it's so easy to grab the keys to the kingdom and lock the door again. Because when certain people have been left out of the game long enough, it can be very difficult to see their faces and to hear their cries. But God sees, and God hears, and God unlocks the game. When I was a kid in Catholic school, I was told that Jesus died on the cross to open the gates of heaven. And I wonder if this moment in the region of Tyre and Sidon was his dry run. Amen. <laughs>